0: Showcase Podcast. I'm Phil Nasons and I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by the authors and you, the listening public. You won't hear any commercials or advertisements because this podcast is funded by the writers who appear on this program and also by you, the listening audience. If you would like to be a guest on the show or would like to support the work being done here, please contact me at thewritershow.com. Dot WordPress.com, and I'll be in touch with you very quickly. Today, we're going to be talking about some tough topics. My next guest is actually the co author of this book. This book appeared in print in the 1930s. Her great uncle uh, is the author, and my next guest discovered the book, discovered pieces of the book, and then put it all together. And there were some pieces missing, and she kind of filled in the blanks and then re-edited it so that people could actually understand it today in today's language. She did a fantastic job. The book is called The Night of the Dixie Wilds. And the co-author, please welcome, Miss Katrina Metter to the Writer Showcase podcast. Katrina, oh, welcome great. to the show.
1: Thank you, Phil. I'm glad
0: to be here. Yeah, me too. And I'm finally getting this introduction down after a couple of times. It's, it's all good, right? <laughs> it is. It is. Practice makes perfect, I suppose. Now, tell us a little bit about who Katrina Metter is.
1: Well, um, I'm still trying to figure that out on my own, too. <laughs>
0: Are we all? What do you know so far?
1: (laughs) Um, I currently live in Yukon, Oklahoma. Uh, It's a suburb outside of Oklahoma City, and it's a great place to to be at at this point in my life. Um, Enjoying the city, enjoying the sports that it offers, the OKC Thunder, and um, currently I'm just working and doing my writing.
0: So you've been to Loud City, eh?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we talk about the Thunder every week here. And uh, a couple of my guests are, well, one of them is a beat reporter who covers them. It is awful loud there. It is. I'll be there soon. When I return to America, I'll definitely be down there to watch a game. There's no question. But uh, now we talked about, or I basically tried to introduce the book as best I could.
1: I think you did a good job on that. This is a interesting story.
0: It is. Tell story. us about it.
1: Um, I came across this book uh, when my aunt, Sharon Lindahl, entered, showed it to me. And when she brought this book to me, she had it wrapped in paper protecting it, and it had been burned. And inside the pages, you know, it was falling apart, and the, there were first spots within the pages, and the last 20 pages of it was missing. And then she began to tell me the story about this book. It is my grandmother's uncle who actually penned this book back in 1929 when he was 74 years of age, and I find that just awesome because you know it doesn't matter how young or how old you are if you want to pursue a dream then pursue it you know and I was holding the evidence of my uncle's dream in my hands. So we did have a problem. it was burned where some of the pages were unlegible and the last 20 pages of the book was missing because we didn't know how the story ended. I uh, went on Amazon and did a quick search, and I was able to find one for herself, which surprised me. And what I did is I ordered the book, and it was in perfect condition. And so I took the book over to her, and after 30 or 40 years of having this book in possession, she was finally able to read the rest of the story, quoting Paul Harvey. <laughs> And uh, and from then it went on, and I I'll get into a little bit more of that a little bit later, but uh, that's how the book came started to come about.
0: Well, that's tremendous. Uh, it's a tremendous story, and we're glad that you uh, rediscovered the book and that it's out there. It's a fantastic read. Your uncle did an incredible job. He did. Now, now what about a uh, Buck Taylor? Now he is the main character in this. This story, is he patterned after a real life person?
1: Um, actually, his name is, is Buck Tyler in the book, and yes, he's actually patterned after my uncle, who is Walter Taylor.
0: All right. Now, why did I put down Taylor instead of Tyler? That's silly. But anyway, so he's a real life person. Yeah. Do you yeah. think it could be? Do you think it could have been your uh, great uncle?
1: Um, yes, that was the whole intent of this book was this book is actually written off of the true event that occurred to my uncle, and he just changed the name of the book. I mean, the name of the male character in the book.
0: Ah, uh, that's why I did it. See, I figured yes. it was him.
1: Yeah, the names are very close together. You have Buck Taylor in the the book, and then Walter, uh, I'm sorry, Buck Tyler in the book, and Walter Taylor as the the
0: man. (laughs) Yeah, well, I thought, honestly, I thought he was talking about himself because it seemed too much like uh, an autobiography in a way, kind of. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's how we got it. So his name is Buck Tyler in the book, but it's really Uncle Walter. Yeah. Which is all good because this is a great book. Now, here's the thing, though. There's a lot of things in this book. First of all, we would call this Historical fiction, correct?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, but technically it really, yeah, okay. Historical fiction. We can, you know, dice up the different subplots. Yeah,
1: he doesn't, yeah, he does admit that he had to fill in some gaps there. And so it is fiction because of that, but its basis is off the true events that happened in his life.
0: Okay, perfect. Okay, so now, uh, there's a lot going on here this book was set up at the tail end of the Civil War the reconstruction era had just begun things were quite difficult for folks down in the south especially for people who owned slaves right
1: that's correct um the way it was described to me is that um Buck Tyler and his family was very rich had the plantation home had many slaves, had many acreages to work. But after the Civil War ended, they could no longer uh, produce off of that land because they didn't have the help to do it. So they decided to sell and move to Texas. They had their plantation in Mississippi.
0: And that was common back then, right?
1: It was very common. It was very common to have that attitude that they have to endure. I mean, they just lost the war. So not only did they lose the war, they lost their slaves and they're being humiliated by the attitude um, that the slaves and even some of the Northern people who stayed down in the South had to do.
0: Now, when you say humiliated, what what does that mean exactly?
1: Well, the taunting that went on. You know how people can taunt you and make you feel bad about, you know. And uh, there was also a lot of anger that was in the, the atmosphere. The whites were angry that they lost the war. The blacks were angry that they were held for slaves for so long. And even that they were free... Um, how are they going to earn the money? How are they going to live? You know there was a lot of bitterness and resentment in that time period.
0: Yeah no, I know I've read a lot about that. Uh, what do you think though when you look back at humiliation they—they they, these, these white sharecroppers who were using uh, Africans to uh, do the work for them what are they supposed to do now? They're finished right?
1: Pretty much. I don't think they had a lot of choices put before them.
0: And what do you think about the person who says they got what they deserved? They being the plantation owners. Yeah,
1: you know, that's a that's a tough subject.
0: Because um, that comes in your book. That's the one of the yeah. first things that when I thought about that. I mean, because your book is going to force people to really think, and that's what makes this book so good.
1: It does, because it shows a lot of events that, I mean, it's in-your-face type events that's going on at this point. And uh, I know that it made me stop and think about how difficult life was back then um, for both sides. And some of the things that went on in this book is truly eye-opening.
0: Oh, yeah. There's no question about that no question about that now when you talk about struggles what types of struggles was it for let's say the plantation owners who lost their slaves the ones who were living high on the hog and then all of a sudden that's the end of that
1: you know i think that it is a struggle for anybody who is used to having more of a luxury lifestyle to go back to the manual labor that is an adjustment that they had to make, and I think it had it carried its own form of humiliation in doing this because they weren't used to that. They used to have people serving them. They weren't used to being the ones who had to do it on their own. That's part of it, um, you know, not being able to produce and to their their crops, and having some of the blacks decided to day in that area and having them there every day to remind them of that I think was uh, another adjustment that they had to make.
0: Yeah when you say you mean an adjustment in the sense that they no longer own those people. A,
1: yeah of price you know they they don't have you know I'm sure that that state of luxury that they were in when they owned the plantation and all the slaves and they were pretty much living pretty good and now they didn't have that anymore and they had to face the people who were working for them and now they don't have to
0: yeah that makes sense uh because uh a lot of people who would read this book in in the lens of 2014 would say uh so what? Who had who gave them the right to own people in the first place? They got what they had coming, and I suppose that's a fair, a fair way to look at that, right?
1: Yes, it is. You know, this is a very difficult book. Um, being the great, great, great niece of the man who lived this, it was hard for me to read. But what I had to do was I had to transport my mind that to that time era, because that's how it was, whether in this day and age, we agree or disagree or like it or don't, that was how that time period was, and um, there was a lot of parts in that book that was like going, oh, okay, (laughs) but, you know, you have to take the, the bad with the good in this book.
0: Oh, yeah, it's going to definitely make people think, and that's why it's a great book, and that's what books are supposed to do. Now, historical fiction means that this book was based in actual historical times. The his, the history portion is not invented or made up, but the storyline is, right? That's
1: correct.
0: Okay. You know, we'll my, just...
1: uncle, yeah, my uncle wrote a paragraph that I think sums it up really good. If you don't
0: mind, can I share that? Absolutely. He, uh... Go right ahead.
1: Okay. He wrote that uh, no period in the history of the United States of America formed a field so rich with chivalry, romance, and drama as the years between 1855 and (gasps) 1870, the so called days of the Reconstruction of the South, during which period the nation was born again and started on its climb to the top rung of power among the nations of the world
0: yes yeah, that's, that's pretty fair right there there's no question now what type of struggles did the uh, former slaves face because you mentioned that too and, and they're a big part of the story and a part of this re- reconstruction era obviously
1: well you know the plantation owners who owned the slaves they provided shelter for them of course we can argue about the quality of that because many times it wasn't that good but they were uneducated and they were at least provided some food because they had to be able to survive on the plantations to be able to work. So when that ended, you have a group of people who are uneducated and who had to figure out a way to support themselves. And those two combinations right there would uh, set up just basic struggles of survival, you know. How do you get your food? How do you get a job? Are you skilled? I'm sure some of them were and they were able to do skilled labor. But I, you know, it, in the book, it actually talks about um, the education of the ex-slaves, if you want to call it that. And it talks about how some people from the North came down to try to help educate. And they were not able to do that for one reason or another. So I think the education was a huge struggle for them.
0: Yeah, from all my research, uh, and I I did papers on this in high school and in college, is that that these people were very skilled. The problem is no one would hire them because they were black. That's why they had to go to the north, Mm because down south they were still looked down upon. So there were struggles but there were a lot of struggles in this period taking flight and having to leave your home was one of those struggles and one of those challenges that they had to face now Buck is the hero of the story yeah. do you think heroes are born or are they made was Buck born a hero or did his circumstances bring out the hero in him I,
1: um, I believe that a hero is someone who gives of themselves for the betterment of others and I think that is a trait that is born within someone but is cultivated by their surroundings.
0: And what about Buck? How did that happen for him? Was it cultivated or did it happen because of his surroundings? What, what was it that made him the hero?
1: I think it was both. Because he was the oldest child of that family, which meant when his father, who was a colonel in the Civil War, was gone, the responsibility of his family fell to him at a young age. And with that kind of responsibility, I think it was just, you know, I think it it was in him to start with and cultivated afterwards by the responsibility that was required of him at that time. You know, as you read through the book, you find that he starts at a young age knowing how to track, knowing how to hunt, knowing how to skin, knowing how to prepare the meat. So his family didn't have to do without. And not only did he do that, but he enjoyed doing that, which plays a part in his uh, teenage years. Because this book is set for his years of preteen all the way up through probably his later teens. This is um, a very young age book, but it's as an adult life, which is something that is completely different than what the 2014, 2013, all of us are used
0: to. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. There's no question. And, And you believe that Buck's a hero in this book, right? I do. And it's a tremendous story. I mean, it's very exciting. It's one of those books where you're probably not going to sit down and read the whole thing in one shot because there's so much there to think about, isn't there?
1: There is. There is. And I absolutely, I sat down and I read it through in one setting and then I went back and I read it over again. You know, because, like you said, there is so much in there, so much to think about, so much going on it was it's
0: an amazing thing yeah you definitely have combined a lot of things in this book there's no question uh the ku klux klan makes an appearance in this book
1: yes uh, it does
0: and, and and what was the impetus for the ku klux klan being a part of the night of the dixie Wiles? what brought them into this book
1: from my understanding is that after uh Buck's family moved to Texas, they moved into a portion of East Texas that was not inhabited well and it opened it up for crime to occur. And from what I've read is that there was a lot of the ex-slaves who were filled with anger and bitterment over their condition and have decided that this is now the time to repay others for what had been done to them. Because of this fact that it is mentioned in the book that the homesteads and the women who were, unpro- were, were unprotected while the men were doing the field work or the animals or being in town or whatever they needed to do. And I think at this time this is why the KKK was actually formed was to protect their homesteads and their women from violence, from the people who feel embittered by the conditions they were forced to live for years.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, so they had definitely played an appearance in this role, and and Christianity plays makes an appearance in this role in this book too, right?
1: It does. It does. Um back in that time you know our country was founded on the Christian principle and um, they lived their life that way you know they had the Bible they went to church they, they prayed together you know it was just it was a common thing
0: yeah even the Ku Klux Klan claimed that right that's correct yeah those guys <sighs> wow <laughs> there are places well, I, I could go to- the places I could yeah. go with the KKK.
1: I would like to point out one thing about the KKK in this book.
0: Okay, that's the what author, we want you to do.
1: Okay, the author in 1929, Walter E. T- uh, Taylor, okay, he points out that after the Reconstruction years, which was from 1865 to 1870, the KKK disbanded. I didn't know if you knew that, okay, and He points out in the book that later when the KKK reformed in the 1900s, it is not the same group that was for the Reconstruction years because he disagreed with the KKK that was formed in the 1900s because of their mental state of it. So between the years of 1865 and 1870. It was formed for protection of families in their homestead. And I I feel like that's important mm-hmm. because there's some very awful deeds that were done by the KKK, as we all know. But it was also part of our history. So like I said, at times this is a very tough book to read, but it's also a very good book as historical fact and fiction
0: combined well you did that correctly because i was going to say that the original kkk and i I don't stand for anything the kkk does i understand why people did what they did back in 1865 to protect their families but it wasn't set up to protect their families specifically against the uh former slaves but it was for indians and white people who were crazy and tried to loot and pillage because they were this they were doing it too It really was the Wild Wild West, and the original KKK is actually the foundation for what is now known as the Texas Marshals, correct?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: How about that? I I know my history, huh?
1: Yes, you do.
0: (laughs) That's why I had to stop when I read this book, because I had to relax and read this, because I understand these things. And and I'll tell you something. One of the relationships I really enjoyed was that of... uh, Buck and King, right? Yeah. King is a cool kid, man.
1: He is. And he, he was is.
0: also a former slave. Yes. Their slave, and, right?
1: Yes. And he was an orphan. And uh, what I found interesting about King, well, there's lots of interesting things about King, but one of the things that stands out is when they decided to move uh, to sell their plantation and move to Texas. They made a decision not to bring any of the slaves to Texas with them, or ex-slaves at that time, excuse me, even if they wanted to. And Buck begged and pleaded for days for King to travel with them. And finally, Buck's father, the colonel, gave in. And that tells you right there the bond that King and Buck had in spite of their skin colors or their education level or their society status. And to me, that was a really special thing for this book.
0: Well, they were more like brothers. Exactly. And that's the way, you know, and I don't want to give too much away, but you'll really enjoy where it's right in the beginning almost, where young Buck actually risked his life to save his friend. And that's, that's a beautiful right. thing. That's something that we don't want to miss inside of all the other things that went on during this period. Now, you have some other characters that are interesting Maggie, May, and Kate. Just tell us a little yes. bit about them.
1: Oh, I love Maggie. She is someone who, well, let me put it this way if I was to live in that era, I would want to be Maggie. Okay? I have a high regard for this young lady in this book. She was also, she was actually a couple of years older than Buck in this story. So um, she took, her family was without a man role model. I think her father was killed. So she took on the responsibility back then that a man would. And she could ride a horse where many women could not at that time, she took the liberty of wearing pants back then when women didn't and she was able to shoot better than some of the men portrayed in the book and she was very independent and strong and one of the best things that I liked about her is she could yodel I think that's just so awesome when I was reading that I could just imagine thinking about the yodeling and I can't see that but it was just one of the parts of her character that I really enjoyed she was very intelligent even though she was uneducated as well and that shows in the conversations that she and Buck had and uh, she's described as very beautiful and also um, modest
0: yep she is now uh, May and Kate are also parts of this book. Who's May? Uh,
1: I don't want to divulge too much about May. Because, yeah, she is gullible, and she was taken in by some lying, not excusing her behavior, but she's the traitor. And she is a person who is exceedingly beautiful, not just the average beauty, but exceedingly so where she draws attention wherever she goes. And I kind of want to leave it at that because she is the traitor and I don't want to give too much away with the story.
0: Oh, there's all kinds of stuff in this book.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: There's all kinds of stuff. Now, how much research did you have to do in order to re-edit and reprint this book? Because obviously you just couldn't sit down Knock out the last 15 pages and then send it off.
1: You're right. Um, I did have to go on, I used the internet, of course, and I did research on the copyright. And um, I do have in the front of the book more information about my research on the copyright. And works created before January 1st, 1978, were protected until 75 years, provided certain copyright renewal formalities were followed, and what I found was that these renewal formalities were not followed, and basically anybody could have picked up this book and republished it as their own work. Well, I didn't want to do that. Uh, That's why I put myself down as a co-author of this book, and because I want to give rights to where it's due which is to my great 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 uncle Walter E. Taylor but I also wanted to keep it in our family and that was why I did this. I'm not here to steal any work I believe this is a story that needs to stay alive and this is why I did it
0: that's fair enough now how much research did you actually have to do for this period of time to make it all work
1: Uh, For the copyright or for the story?
0: No, the actual story.
1: Oh, for the story? Well, for the story, I didn't do a whole lot of research because basically he had the story written for it. What I did do was I did correct um, some spelling and grammatical issues, and I also put a memoir to him at the very back of the book. And I've also listed all the libraries that this book was uh, sent to, for the original edition. Now I don't know if I mentioned at the beginning but he became a lawyer after the reconstruction years and moved to Lubbock, Texas and the printed books that he had were actually caught up in a fire in his law office and the only one that we knew existed outside of the library was the one that my aunt Sharon Lindahl has in her possession and the one that I was able to find <clears throat> on the internet.
0: Were you able to track, like, any of King's relatives? or
1: I was not because uh, there's very little information on my uncle that I could find and even less with King because all I have is the name in the book. I don't have his real name.
0: And the others, you didn't know who they were either? I did not. All right. So now what three things do you want the listener to know about the Night of the Dixie Wilds?
1: Well, I'm really excited to let you know that the book is going to be available as an audiobook book uh, late February. I'm really excited about that. Um, the and it is also available for purchase now on Amazon and it will be available for purchase on Barnes and Nobles in February. And this book, you know, yeah, this book will touch you, touch your heart, touch your soul in a way that hasn't when you've read other historical novels. It will move you and make you think.
0: Well that's definitely for sure, it will make you think. Now what's next for you?
1: I'm actually moving away from the historical novels at this time, as uh, I have three of them published for right now. And I'm starting a book series called The Inner Chamber. It is going to be a Christian suspense series, and I'm going to have the first one, my, my publishing date for book one of it will be November of 2014 some of my beta readers who have already read parts of the first book have likened it to Ted Decker and Frank Peretti and that is a an extremely wonderful compliment and I'm very humbled by it so I'm really excited about moving into this project
0: tremendous and we wish you all the best with that and the Night of the Dixie Wiles thank you for being on the show Katrina
1: thank you so much Bill
0: okay now where's your website
1: it's www.authorkmetter.com.
0: And the Twitter is at Author, author. K Metter. And that's it.
1: Correct. Okay. That's correct.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks so much for being on the show with me.
1: Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it very much.
0: All right. That was Katrina Metter, Metter and you can find her over at authorkmetter.com. The Night of the Dixie Wilds is a tremendous book. It'll make you think it's a historical fiction, meaning the storyline is not all true, but the story setting is. And you can pick up the book at Amazon.com or any one of a number of places, and we'll help you try to find them. But I suggest you go out there and give this one a shot. It's pretty well written, and it's like I said, it's definitely an educational read. All right, now that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Writer Showcase podcast. Again, if you want to be a guest on the show or would like to support the work being done, please contact me at www.theritershow.wordpress.com. Until next time, my name's Phil Nasons. Enjoy the reading.